Hey y'all, welcome back to the God Center Mom podcast with me, Heather McFadden. This is episode 179 and I'm bringing on my good friend, Trisha Goyer. We're going to tackle the question, how do you know what God's asking you to do? And what if you follow what you think is his direction and then it's harder than you could have ever imagined? Well, here's a few thoughts from Trisha on the time when they adopted four sisters. Yeah, and I totally had those questions and I had totally had those moments of why did we do this? Because also we had three little kids in the house and like I felt like it was bringing trauma. And I, I even told John, my husband, I'm like, I'm getting PTSD from their PTSD. <laughs> like I felt like so overwhelmed and almost not, not really depression, but just like, I don't know what to do here. And God, I need answers. And it really made me turn to God. But it's like God never calls us and and says like okay you do it and it's going to be easy like it's going to be a smooth road I'm reading through the Bible right now and just reading Moses like what Moses had to deal with with the Israelites and they're complaining and grumbling and it's not like God said you know Moses I want you to lead my people out of there and then it's going to be great you're going to have a great walk a great life also Moses sat face to face with God like he would go like so much that his face would shine and he would go to God and they'd have these conversations and I think when we go through the hard times it will draw us closer to God than we had ever thought possible. Trisha is one of my favorite people because of not only what she's done she's a prolific writer of over 70 books but of who she is and how she manages her time. She is, wait for it, the mom, two, ten children, seven of whom she's adopted. Woo! I mean, it makes my four seem like a piece of cake. I'm grateful for her insight and wisdom into my life over the last few years and this topic of how do we know what God's asking us to do? And what if it's a lot harder than we thought it was going to be? Trish has written more about that in her new book, Walk It Out, The Radical Result of Living God's Word One Step at a Time. And we're going to answer these questions in today's episode. Trish has been on the show before. It's episode seven. How could I forget? Seven. Had to go look it up real quick. Uh, Trisha was sweet to come on the show back in its humble beginnings. And that was almost four years ago, which reminds me, I would love to invite you all. I feel like I need a drum roll. Hold on. Let me get a drum roll. Only stars I'm cracking up. Okay, I went to go look for a drum roll and I found Cowbell Funk Break. More Cowbell! All right, enough silliness. On to the announcement. On November 3rd, we will have a live recording of the God Center Mom podcast here in Dallas at my church, and you are invited. Oh my word. I'm kind of like nervous, excited. I really want to meet you, but kind of afraid that no one's going to come, but you will come, right? Tickets will go on sale next Monday. More details will follow in the next episode. But I wanted you to save the date, November 3rd, 7 p.m. All of us together, one room. I'm planning to have a mentor at each table. There will definitely be sugar and chocolate. So you have to come. Mark your calendars, November 3rd, 7 p.m. Those of you that heard me last month talking about Paul David Tripp's parenting live event, and you got to enjoy that or still are enjoying that this month, fabulous. If you're looking for even more help 
in the parenting area. I've got something to tell you about. I adore the work of Jim and Lynn Jackson of Connected Families. You've heard me talk about them before. They've been on the show before four times, actually. They've been on. It's episodes 80, 81, 98, and 126 if you want to hear from them. But they have a course available starting right now, starting today, October 2nd, where you get access until I think you get access forever, but they'll have a moderator moderating each of the six sessions until December 15th. So it's great. You work through it. You can ask your questions like, what about this scenario? How would I apply this idea in my family's life? Well, you'll have a moderator working you through the course through December 15th, but you'll have access to it forever. So maybe you heard me talking about the Discipline That Connects course in previous years and you signed up, but you never went through it. Well, as an alumni, you get to go through it whenever you want. So don't forget if you've already signed up to re-engage that. But if you're new and you've never done it before, go to godcentermom.com backslash DTC for more information on the course. Um, You can always listen to those podcast episodes and kind of hear a little bit of the heart behind the Connected Families way. It's so biblically sound. I truly wish I'd had this when my kids were little. Lynn has been coaching Bruce and I. I got to actually meet face-to-face Jim and Lynn a couple weeks ago, and they helped me remember to communicate to my kids, you're safe, you're loved, you are God's workmanship, called and capable, and you are responsible. Those messages over and over in our home. And uh, if you want to know more about it, go to godcentermom.com backslash DTC. Stands for Discipline That Connects. See what I did there? All right, let's get on to my conversation with Trisha. Here we go. Hey, Trisha, welcome back to the God Center Mom podcast. Thank you, Heather. I love being here and I love talking with you. Oh, you're so fun. And I love that I've sat with you over coffee and breakfast and shared hotel rooms. And I know your heart and I can introduce you to my listeners with full confidence that they're in good hands, that they're about to hear not just like some lines, but real, true, authentic living out uh, the example that Jesus gave us. You're living out the and being obedient to the things that he's called you to. And I can testify. I can testify. And that- some <laughs> with more caffeine than other days. So. <laughs> the true story, the true story. But if, for the gal listening who has never, you know, maybe read one of your 60 books, which hard to imagine not, but, uh, or hasn't heard your story, would you kind of walk us through a bit of your story? Okay. So I was actually um, born to a single mom. My mom got pregnant when she was in college, and I didn't know my biological dad till I was 28. Um, she married my stepdad when I was four, and he was really a distant like figure. He was there, but not really involved in my life at all. And like so many girls who grew up like wanting that dad to love them and dote on them, I just started looking for love in all the wrong places and became sexually active at a young age. And then when I was 15, I found myself pregnant and scared and um, didn't know what to do and ended up having an abortion, which is something that I really regret and have found healing from, have really spent a lot of time going through the Bible and being able to forgive myself for that. And then when I was 17, found myself pregnant again, same boyfriend, and this time chose to have my baby. So one month I was a senior in high school and cheerleader. And next month uh, I told my boyfriend I was pregnant and we broke up. He was, had a new girlfriend within a matter of weeks. 
And I dropped out of school, dropped out of life, really was depressed during that time. But it was also during that time that my mom and my grandma's Bible study group reached out to me and they gave me a baby shower and loved on me. And I remember I'd grown up going to church, but I remember thinking like I had just messed up too big to for God to love me or forgive me. And I thought during that time, man, if these women love me, maybe God does too and gave my life to God. And started praying for a husband that would love me and love my baby. And God brought me John. And we've been married 27 years. And so, yeah, we have Corey. He's 28. And then we had two more kids. Um, Nathan is 23. Leslie's 25. Uh, Nathan still lives at home. He's my right-hand man. And then Leslie is a missionary in the Czech Republic. Corey's married and has two little kids. And then we have... Adopted seven kids. <laughs> Six of them were foster care. And then, and then seven. And then, and then there were seven more. And then there were seven more. And uh, I write books and blogs and articles. I started writing in 94. Like my first writer's conference, I was 22, mm. pregnant with my third, went to a writer's conference. Like, I want to be a Christian writer. <laughs> like, God has just been faithful. Lots of years of rejection and working at it and nothing happening. But um, now I have, I think uh, my new book is number 70. What? Uh, yeah. Number I was 70. behind in my count. <laughs> I, I Well, you know, my bio's on the internet. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> How do you yeah. keep up with How that? How do you keep up you with that? You just got to put like tons of books. Yeah, so you put that word in there lot. and then a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. So that's kind of my life. And so I'm balancing kids and homeschooling them and writing and naps. <laughs> like every day, I just like, let me lay down for 20 minutes, children, please. Um, but that's, that's me in a nutshell. And when I met you, I heard you speak and it was super impactful to me because you were one of the first people who gracefully held the tension between pursuing a career and a and a passion and an interest and you were including and inviting your kids into that homeschooling them and uh I was so impressed with the idea that these two things didn't have to be separate right that you would sit at the dinner table and talk about a plot line and invite kids into you know what's this character going to be like or named and I just loved that idea or would travel with them it was very inspiring and then I think you adopted one little Alyssa yeah so we adopted Alyssa from a birth mom Um, we actually felt called to adoption and did all the paperwork in China right our paperwork got turned in like right at the time they stopped adopting healthy baby girls out Um, And I thought, okay, we need a baby and we need a healthy one because I can't handle older kids and I can't handle special needs, which I, you know, God's just like, just wait, you're going to get so and then, but right when we found out that we weren't going to be able to adopt from China, a local friend knew a young woman who was seven months pregnant, actually, and had heard of our family and had been watching us. And like, she'd been watching me on Facebook, which I'm so glad I didn't know that because I'd been like, hey, baking cookies with the kids, <laughs> like all, all the stuff. But I didn't know that she was yeah. watching us. But she approached us and said so we adopted Alyssa first um, from a newborn. So we got her when she was six days old. And she's super cute. And then I totally remember you adopting a little brother and sister pair that were younger than Alyssa. 
right? Yes. yes. Well, Casey, yeah, Casey was younger. Bella was older. So, oh, was she? Okay. Yeah. So Lissa was almost three at the time. Casey was two, and Bella was five at the time. Okay. Um, but so you have these three littles. You have these three yes. grown. And you have these three littles. Yes. And I thought, okay, we're done. <laughs> like, we did it. Oh, God. You're, we're you so know. obedient. And we're I, so- I was sitting with you at the Marriott when you were processing the next part of your story. Yeah. Like, we were, we were just feeling called to adopt older kids, right? Because I don't even mm-hmm. think we knew the girls when I was talking to you guys Mm-mm. about it. Um, we just felt called to adopt older kids and a sibling group. Um, and God just was just putting it on our hearts. And, you know, life had just gotten kind of normal and comfortable again. And it was just God so clear, like, you are not done yet. There are older kids that need homes. And John would say, my husband would say, you know, I don't think we're supposed to, like, coast through, you know, our last you know, 20, 30 years, however long we live. I don't think we're supposed to coast through and say, you know, God, I did what you called me to, but then we just took it easy. Like, he's like, I really feel like we need to run all the way to the finish line. And, you know, just both of us just realizing how many older kids are out there that need to be adopted. And so we were, I think I was still just processing through all of it. Um, And then we found out about the sibling group of four girls. They were ages, I think, 10 to 14 when we first heard about them. And... (laughs) You went ahead. You went with it. You went for it. And you adopted these four girls, these sisters. And then it was easy breezy and your life has been perfect. The end. (laughs) Everything's turned out. (laughs) But they fit right between those two sets of three kids. They do. They do. Yeah. Like it it fills in the hole. Um, Mm -hmm. But and actually there was five girls. One had already aged out of foster care Mm -hmm. and was married by the time we met them. Um, And so really, and she's, they live by us now. They just moved within the last couple of months close to us. Um, and they're over our house like two to three times a week. So I feel like we've, I mean, I say we adopted four, like on paper we've adopted four, but really there's five of them and two little adorable grandkids. Um, but it, that was the hardest thing like ever is bringing four girls into our home that had been through so much and had been through trauma and had so many people before them say, we're going to adopt you, or this is going to be your forever home, that ended up changing their minds and not able to deal with their issues. And so they were just so wounded when they got here. And I have to say, I thought I was a good mom. (laughs) So I'm like, I don't even know what to do, like how to help them. Um, So it was hard. That was probably the year after we got them was probably the hardest of my life. I cut back on writing. I cut out all speaking for two years. So I wasn't Mm -hmm. traveling to speak anywhere. So, and I think part of it was just, it's just hard dealing with them and all their emotions. And we did a lot of trauma therapy. We were every week we had these girls in therapy and helping them deal with issues and belonging and behaviors and all these things. But at the same time, as I'm dealing with that, I'm not out there speaking, which I, you know, looking back, I guess, see, I got, I did get like, you know, people like you when you're out speaking and you're sharing truth and you're, uh, you know, feeling getting like, like a little bit of yeah, feedback on. Exactly. You feel yeah. like, yeah, and it was like, okay, so not only am I getting beat up just emotionally, just not knowing how to deal with them, I'm not getting like fed. Uh, and it's not even like a, 
like it's I guess probably part partly pride thing, but partly just feel like I'm I'm able to minister and to reach and connect other women and help them encouragement encourage them. And so I wasn't getting that. And so that was a really hard year of just realizing that, okay, this is what God has called me to. And there was times I would be picking up gum out of my van floor, <laughs> you know, dig and garbage and piles of socks and messes everywhere and trying to teach them how to eat properly. I mean, just, it's, there's just so much you know, with these kids and thinking, God, really? Like, this is what you've called me to? I am mm-hmm. sitting here in the heat picking gum out with my fingernails off my van floor because one of the kids was chewing gum and just feel him saying, yep, this is exactly what I've called you to. And I'm like, all right, all right, we'll keep, we'll keep on this path. Um, but just really understanding that it's not about like the books on the shelf or the standing at a big conference on a stage. It's just doing what God calls us to and loving the people he puts in our path. And for us, it just happened to be these four girls, which now like so many of the issues are gone. Um, mm-hmm. And they'll even say like, mom, I was so mean to you. And I'm like, yes, you were. Um, but they found healing. I found healing. God has done so much in our relationship. And I, I honestly cannot, cannot imagine life without them. Like they are as much my kids as the kids I had out of my body, the kid being on the baby I adopted at birth. I mean, they are my kids and I would do anything for them. And even though it was really hard, I could definitely see that God had my best um, and their best in mind when he brought them into our family. And I love that you're honest about it being hard. Because sometimes we can just see someone's Instagram of the beautiful foster family or adopted family and think, man, they're super Christians. They (laughs) must have more Jesus in them than I do because I couldn't do that. You know, people say that about other things, homeschooling, writing a book. And for you to say, no, it was extremely hard. It required sacrifice. But, and you said, I missed the public ministry. But the power of that private ministry, Mm -hmm. the ripple effects you're going to have because you've changed through Jesus, yes. <laughs> you have changed these girls' lives, the trajectory and the and their kids and grandkids for generations. God sees it, just like the Sarah Haggerty unseen. Yeah. I mean, he sees the unseen work that the picking the gum off the van floor <laughs> and the other moments of taking and absorbing trauma induced hurts and. I, I, I think, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say, I think it's hard because, um, you know, they're teenagers now. I mean, they're 12, almost 13, 14, Which 14. Are hard years anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like the, all the emotions of teenagers yeah. and, and then all the emotions of just being adopted and all the abuse they face. I mean, just so much. But so on the internet, like once they get teenagers, they're on, they could see, like they could Google <laughs> what I'm saying and yeah. they could, like everything is out there and, and really it's their story. Mm-hmm. A lot of people want to know their story and what they face. And um, I'm like, this is their story. Like maybe yeah. someday we could write something together, but this is their story. And it's not my place to like share everything they went through or share mm-hmm. the hard things, even that we face. Like in Walk It Out, I generally share a little bit, but really it's their story. And the amazing thing is that Maria is 17 and God's already calling her to share her story. Wow. Um, she has shared it. She shared it at a 
fundraising banquet for um, foster kids last spring. And then this year at an Amplify conference music festival in front of 30,000 people. Like she got up there. Yeah. And I'm like, and so now she's um, in a couple of weeks, she's going to be speaking at another foster care parent group. They're like, she has an hour to share her story. And so I'm driving her. I'm like, look at me driving my daughter to a speaking event. And so I just know that God is going to, to use them to share their stories to impact other people because they are safe now. They are loved. They do understand that God has a good purpose for them. Um, sometimes it's hard for them to understand why they had to go through all the junk, but they can see now that God has a purpose and a plan for them and they want to help other people. Um, all of them have that heart to help other people. So I just can't wait to see what God is going to do. And now I'm just thankful that I get to be part of the process. Like, God had a plan for these girls and, you know, it took me like putting aside my desires and my goals and all that stuff to just love on some really Mm -hmm. hard, challenging girls for a while. And it was hard, but it's so, so worth it. Well, and that's, you know, that's the goal, right? To walk in the good things God has prepared in advance for us to do. But for someone who's listening, thinking, okay, I heard Trisha say so many times that they felt God wanting this and they felt God wanting this. How do I know what God wants me to do? How do I have that same direction that Trisha and her husband seem to have? What advice would you give her? Oh, I love that question. And I think it all starts with knowing God and knowing his word. So when I first became a Christian, I remember um, even after I was married to John, who's this Christian guy and going to church, like I remember like not even thinking about God during the day. It was just like whatever I was watching on television. And, you know, I was just like, it was so, I was so like disconnected. I didn't understand. And then really felt like I, if I can, if I am following God, I need to understand who he is. And so I started a daily quiet time where I just get up and read God's word. And I don't say journal. I mean, I call it a journal, but it's more like just thoughts. It's not like these long passages (laughs) and anything. It's just like, I feel, you know, this God says he sings over me like, wow, I never really thought about that before. You know, it's just these short little thoughts. And I would just just spend time in God's word. And then the more I spent time in God's word, it's like you get to understand God's heart. Hmm. And God's heart is really for the down and out. And it's for those that don't have hope. You know, it talks about how, you know, those that need a doctor, are the ones that, you know, Jesus went to, the, those that didn't think they had their their act together that really needed him. And um, so the more I time I spent in God's word, and then I started praying for God to show me his heart. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you pray that, it's a prayer that will always get answered. Like God will open your eyes to people and their needs and their circumstances. And for me, it started with um, that post-abortion Bible study, finding healing myself, and then reaching out to other women who d- dealt with the same pain and shame. And then I helped start a crisis pregnancy center. And I, I clearly remember it was our pastor that came up and asked me if I would be interested in um, helping to start this pregnancy center. And I had already started writing at that time. And I thought my call was like to be a writer because I'd grown up loving to read. And I just thought, okay, this is my call. Like I found the big thing. And it totally messed with my mind. Like, how can I be called to do a writer and then, and then do this other thing too? But what I saw and what I've seen continually is that our calling isn't like a big thing. Like I am called to do this one big thing for God. It's 
the daily obediences and reaching out to the people that he puts in our path and loving those. So for a while it was the women at the crisis pregnancy center, then it was the teen mom support group. Mm -hmm. And then it was orphans. It was like when, when I asked God to show me his heart, like he showed me all these broken people Mm -hmm. and it's just loving the people that he put in the process. So really, um, you know, how can we know like what God is saying, or if we feel like God is like you were saying, like God, I was saying that God, called John and I to this or led John and I to this, it was because we saw a need and we saw God's word. So we saw a need because we saw that there was older kids in the foster care system who were not getting adopted, who were aging out. In my teen mom support group that I lead, there was young women who would age out of foster care and within six months they're pregnant because mm. they have no one. Like they're lurking for love and they end up with a guy and then they're pregnant and he's out of the picture and they're homeless and pregnant. I mean, so we saw the need and we see in God's word where it says pure religion is caring for the orphans and the widows. So it's like the two clash, like the needs that God shows us and then his word what tells us, that tells us what to do. That is what it means when I say we felt God calling us to do this. Um, it was like those two things coming together where we couldn't deny it and then praying about it and just feeling like the Holy Spirit heavy, like this heavy burden on us, like we have to do something. And it was both John and I at the same time, which we knew like for years I wanted to adopt. When Even when my older kids, biological kids were younger, I felt like this is something we should do. And John was not. Mm-hmm interested at all. And it was when the time was right, it was on my heart and it was on my husband's heart. Like it wasn't like I had to talk him into it. Yes. It's like God is big enough to speak to his heart too about that's it. Really, really important because often either whether the husband feels the leading or the wife does, it can sometimes cause a strain on the mm-hmm. marriage when one does and one doesn't. I know we had a season like that and just trusting, like you said, that God will lead you both if the decision <laughs> requires. Right. And uh, I think a friend was just sharing me, with me the other day. She remembers a family growing up where they did adopt and the dad was resistant the whole mm-hmm. time. And it put such a strain on the marriage. And they ended up when the kids were adults getting divorced. Um, just trusting God. Don't don't feel like something <laughs> should be done because you do. And you're, and you're a team. You're one flesh. Right, exactly. And there was that years when I just prayed about it. Yeah. 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 And if, if God, I just knew like I didn't have to try to talk him into it because I've talked my husband into things before, <laughs> like a puppy. And a puppy was a horrible puppy. You know, it was yeah. hard enough. Like, yes. you know, so it was, but you know what? We don't need to talk. Like if, if it's something that God wants from us, if we're both seeking God, like he will make it clear. And if we're not both seeking God, then we need to get to the place where we're both seeking God first. <laughs> like, yeah. That's where your we, prayers are directed is. Yeah is asking God to, and God will do things for your spouse to pull him closer to himself. Sometimes it's hard, hard to watch, but he's big and (laughs) he can handle it more than we can. And even, you know, so you had this whole journey of going from, are we even going to adopt? And then you're in the system and you see more and you're with the teen moms and you're seeing this cycle. And, uh, you talked about calling, like thinking, well, the writing's my calling. How can this other thing be my calling? And I had Kat Armstrong on my show, and she talked about this differentiation between calling and assignment. Like our calling mm. is go and make disciples. And our right. assignments are all these other little things. So you have discipled people through your books. You've discipled people through the crisis pregnancy. You're discipling in your home right now. And to trust God for the different assignments, they're all part of that big 
calling, just like you said. Just like you said. And even when we see that assignment and we've, like you pointed out, we've heard in God's word that it's a, you know, a command. It, it lines up with his word. We've seen a need. Um, we're on the same page with our spouse if we're married. And we've said yes. And we're going towards it. And just like with those four or five girls that you've brought into your home and loved and it was hard. What do you say to the sister, our sister in Christ, who has said the yes and really feels this is what God told her to do. And it's so hard. Yeah. And she and questions. I, yeah. Did I make the right choice? <laughs> did yeah. I hear God right? Because this doesn't feel good. Yeah. And I totally had those questions. And I had totally had those moments of why did we do this? <laughs> like, And it was because also we had three little kids in the house. Yeah. And like, I felt like it was bringing trauma. And I, I even told Tom, John, my husband, I'm like, I'm getting PTSD from their PTSD. <laughs> like I yeah. felt like so overwhelmed and uh, almost not, not really depression, but just like, I don't know what to do here. And God, I need answers. And it really made me turn to God. But it's like, God never calls us and, and says like, okay, you do it and it's going to be easy. Like it's going to be a smooth road. I'm reading through the Bible right now and just reading Moses, like what Moses had to deal with, with the Israelites and they're complaining yeah. and grumbling. And it's not like God said, you know, Moses, I want you to lead my people out of there and then it's going to be great. You're going to have <laughs> a great walk, easy. a great life. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, but also, Moses sat face to face with God. Like mm-hmm. he would go, like so much that his face would shine, and he would go to God, and they'd have these conversations. And I think when we go through the hard times, it will draw us closer to God than we had ever thought possible. And you know, there's times I just remember, like almost crumbled on my bedroom floor, just weeping because I didn't know how to help them. Like I didn't know mm. how to show them that I love them and get them to trust me and um, deal with their angry words that weren't like that have been sitting there <laughs> festering for 10 years, you know, that, that I knew, I know it wasn't directed at me because I wasn't the one that caused them pain, but they were still coming out at me mm. and just, just having to say, God, I need to know that you love me right now. I need to know that you're singing over me. I, I need to know that, that, that it's going to be okay, not like the situation, but in my heart. Um, and I, I found him in ways that I wouldn't have found him if I hadn't been at that low, low spot. And also another thing that it just brought was friends. I would be texting friends and like, I need you to pray for me right now. Like, yeah. I don't know how I can handle this. And it just made me realize that he's there for me. He's brought other people around that just even just knowing that they're praying for me in that moment just helped me so much. And, you know, all of us know our weaknesses, but until we're at that place where we just like, cannot go on and we find God there. Mm-hmm. Um, it just makes us realize that he is so much bigger than we thought and his plans are so much greater than we thought. And it's not easy, but we could find goodness and, and really chaos can be beautiful. Um, the chaos of the mess of the house and the mess of emotions. And then to see these glimmers of light and see them finding out that they are loved by my husband and I and finding out that they are loved by God. You know, um, three of them, three of the girls just got baptized at Christmas Aww. and just see, see them seeking God and asking questions and, you know, really wanting to now impact other people with their future. It's, it's hard, but it's good. And I'm, I'm thankful for those hard days because I like God brought us all through together and, and kind of bonded us through that um, in ways that, wouldn't have happened 
if it hadn't been for those that hard, hard time. I think your Moses example is really good. I was mm. just reading Paul David Tripp's New Morning Mercies, which is my favorite. I've mentioned it mm-hmm. here before. <laughs> I love this. I don't <laughs> usually love devotionals, but it's really good. If you don't have it, Trisha, you should get it. Okay. Um, but the one I read he had the section where Moses is at the burning bush and he's questioning, like, who am I? I can't even talk, you know, kind of like this beginning. Are you sure, God, you're calling me to that? Are you sure? Like, you really want that assignment for me? I don't even know what I'm doing. And he does. He says the yes, and it's not easy. And then there's all the plagues. And Moses, Pharaoh keeps saying, no, no, no. I'm sure he questioned. Did I hear God right? It was a bush. <laughs> like, right. I mean, he had God talking to him. We're like basing it off a of need and some scripture. You're right. And then what the at the very bottom of the devotional, um, Paul David Tripp put Deuteronomy 31. I was like, that's interesting. So I go to read it, and it's Moses commissioning Joshua in Israel to go into the promised land because he can't go with them. And I can picture it because I went to that area of Israel. I can picture it where he's like standing and he's it's right over the mountains, but he doesn't get to go in. And but he said to Joshua with such boldness and knowledge, a personal knowledge of being face-to-face with God, be strong and courageous. The Lord your God is with you. He will not leave you or forsake. He's going to fight your battles for you. It was it was coming from a guy who started out saying, who am I? Like, I can't right. do this. I can't even talk. To having walked through the hardest things, literally years of wilderness. This wasn't a quick fix. I think that's where I get discouraged. I want the quick fix. Right. And if something doesn't work like that hour, discipline wise or (laughs) whatever, I'm like, oh, we got to try a new thing. Uh, The the quick fix isn't happening. But 40 years wandering and all the grumbling and all the things. And he's seen God faithful through it all. And he could speak with confidence to Joshua and to the Israelites that even no matter what you're going to come up against, no matter what enemies you're going to face, he's going to win. He is going to fight for you. He will overcome them. Um, so be strong and courageous. Do not fear. Do not be dismayed because that's where I go. If something yeah. bad is happening based on a choice I've made, let's say homeschooling my two boys. <laughs> and I'm fearful like, what did I do? This was a terrible decision. I am so afraid I just ruined it. I ruined the whole thing. And the fear can creep in. But he doesn't call me to that weakness and that fear. He calls me to be strong and courageous. If I have, if I have obeyed him, and it's in line with his word, like you said, and I see a need, then I need to have that confidence and that courage and that strength uh, because of who he is, not because of who I am. Right. And what I love, there's two things that I love that I'm just going to tie into that. Joshua was with Moses. Like when he went on the mountain and talked about like when Moses was coming down the mountain, Joshua was with him. Yes. So Joshua must have been like waiting on the sidelines for him. And Joshua was like, what are those people up to? It sounds like war. And, <laughs> and they were they were worshiping the calf. But like, Moses's walk was being watched by Joshua. Mm-hmm. Like, and so, so much of our walk is being watched by our kids. And they're like, it's so cool now to see my adult kids who are serving God. Um, and uh, Corey's a children's pastor and Leslie's a missionary. And Nathan just had his first Christian book come out, you know. And it's like they saw even through the hard stuff, like they're walking along. And like, it's so cool to see that as we're struggling through that our kids are watching, but they're seeing that God is there. Like they're seeing it for their own lives. And like Joshua got to go to the promised land. Mm-hmm. Um, so because of that, and I, I just know that my kids, like I'm, that's why I'm praying that they get, they get more, even more yeah, even than more. what. You probably learned. Okay. Yeah. When God says do something, do it. Don't like in anger, hit the rock. That 
it's, yeah, exactly. That's a bad decision. It did not work out. Yeah. No, that's yeah, but then so, Moses. Yeah, that's so good. Moses, Moses got to go to the promised land through, with Jesus during the transfiguration. Oh, so like, good. He was, there. he was there with him and so he did get to see like he got to be there with jesus like it wasn't how he planned but he got to go and stand at jesus side and like be there and see jesus glorified on earth like the savior coming is here and moses got to be there with him mm-hmm. i mean i'm like i i just like put the pieces together this year like no he didn't go in the promised land but he did like he did wow. in a different way than he thought and so it's different than we think, but we're with Jesus, like Jesus is there. When I think you bring up a good point as moms who feel called to do something illogical, <laughs> perhaps, <laughs> uh, and to walk it out that uh, we can say, oh, what will that do to my kids? How's that going to mess them up? Is right. that going to be, you know, adopting seven kids? Is that going to make my three oldest kids feel less important to me or neglected or, and you're saying, no, mm-mm. They saw that my most important relationship was with God. I still can love them because love is an overflowing thing that it's like a river. It's not like a limited resource. And that it shows them that they're not the center of my world. God is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And for them to see, like, um, especially my 28-year-old who's married and has two kids, so he probably understands a little bit more. I'll be in the middle of like making dinner and there's all these kids and they're fighting. I'm trying to break up fights and he'll be over for dinner or just hanging out or something. And he'll just like stop me and like give me this big hug and like, mom, I am so proud of you. And I'm, so I'm tearing up right now just thinking about it. But just like he sees that mm-hmm. and he knows like he's seen me as a mom in all these situations, but just to see that that it's impacting them even as adults or older kids that they see us being faithful to God and that that impacts everything that changes their life and how they see their own walk with God. So great. Oh, Trisha. Well, um, y'all, if you've been listening and loving as much as I have everything Trisha said, make sure you check out her new book, Walk It Out. It released October 1st, mm-hmm. right? Or earlier. Yeah. It seemed like you were talking about it earlier than October 1st. Did well, uh, you know, early? Amazon and everyone just kind of like, it says October 1st, but they always like have a go out like okay. weeks earlier. Right. I don't know. Okay. It's just, it's just they try to mess things up. <laughs> uh, and yeah. where can they find you online? Where would they be able to look for you? Yeah, my website is just trishagoyer.com and Trisha's T-R-I-C-I-A and Goyer's G-O-Y-E-R.com. And then on Facebook and Instagram and all those places, it's just Trisha Goyer. So they can find me. And they will love you. And if you all love... I mean, you've written fiction and nonfiction. Yes, but pro- more fiction or not? Is it equal? I think I think more fiction. Yeah, definitely more fiction, and that's fun escaping into story worlds. <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, okay, at least the characters in my books do what I say. Like I can, <laughs> I, I can make them. I have some control here. I can control something, and it's my keyboard and the people on my computer. What's screen. your favorite yeah. uh, fictional book you wrote? I know they're like babies, so it's like picking a favorite child, but. Oh, it's so hard. Okay, so Night Song um, is set in World War II, and it was a 13-year-old boy who was put into a concentration camp. Mm. And uh, he's a violinist. And Corey was 13 when I was writing it, and I cried my way through that book. Like, Mm. (laughs) it was just imagining my children going through that. And I I love my World War II books just because I've interviewed over, I don't know, 100, 200, I don't know, I lost count veterans and heard those stories. So those are so meaningful to me. And I have one that comes out in January called um, 
A Daring Escape, and it's about children rescued from uh, Czechoslovakia during World War II. Mm. Um, they were actually put onto trains. And again, I cried my way through that book, too, because imagining these moms, like, putting their child on a train to take them to uh, England, um, knowing that they will probably never see them again, but knowing that their child will have a chance of life, I'm just, like, trying to picture my little seven-year-old is sitting right next to me on the couch, like sticking her on a train and like never seeing her again. And I've actually um, been able to interview someone who was one of those children and he, all his family was killed in concentration camps except he survived because his mom like signed him up and put him on this train. So those, my World War II novels are probably the most meaningful to me just because Mm -hmm. I've talked to people who've been there. And then just so much of, Man, I, I complain about my house being messy, <laughs> whatever, but we're like not dealing with the Holocaust. Yeah, here, so. yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I, went, I, just, I went through that yeah. museum in Israel and woo doggies. Oh, my goodness. I mean, that was super powerful and unbelievable. I'd studied yeah. history, but I didn't I didn't grasp the building up, how it starts mm-hmm. so small with some propaganda. And then it just, ugh, yeah. unbelievable, unbelievable that... Okay, Tricia, you're great. Can I ask you a couple questions? I've never done yeah. this before. I'm going to try it out. Okay. Let's see what happens. <laughs> All right. So if you had to um, pick a book to read right now, besides the Bible, you can't pick the Bible, what would you pick? Oh, I have, I have like a big old pile on my But if you, <laughs> like, one that, that, even if you had right to reread now. it, it's like it's your go-to or – Okay, my go-to book is Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby. Yes. Um, it's just my favorite about um, look around you and see what God's doing and join him and all that good stuff. So that that would be my go-to And then book. do you ever get to sit and watch a television show? Very rarely. Very rarely. Um, I've been watching Call the Midwife with my older teen girls. Yeah, I've heard that's um, a good way to like connect with teens right now is to... Yeah. Watch a show together. And, you know, they watch, they, you know, kind of learn about history. And then, like, there's two babies born in every episode. <laughs> so I'm like, see, you do not want to get yes! pregnant right away. I see, you <laughs> I see what you're doing. Yeah. Okay. That's wise. Look so at that. women are screaming on that show. <laughs> <laughs> that's really funny. Okay, teen. Moms of teens, listen up. Um, that's a really, really good, really good. And if you, if someone was going to sweep you away on a vacation... Where would you go right now? No kids, okay. you and your husband. Uh, uh, we love cruises. Yeah. Um, which is because we just like laying in the sun. You can't go anywhere. Like you have to be still. Um, and we don't do the gambling. You know, so really, you know, we're just like laying on the deck and it doesn't even matter where we're going. Like just put me in a boat in the sunshine <laughs> and let me take a nap and read and feed my me. last cruise. And feed yeah, me. and feed me. Yeah. Exactly. Like, yeah. And I don't even have to yeah, think, so I don't have to figure out what restaurant to go to. I'll just go to the same no. place and there'll be food. Yeah, that's yeah. good. Like, yeah. That's so, really good. Put me and, in a boat anywhere. And this and is I'll where I happy. tell you that I have a free cruise tickets. Oh, no, I don't. I don't. Yay! No. <laughs> Everyone listening is going on a cruise. No, I didn't do that. Yeah, that would be super fun if I could do that. That was my Oprah wannabe moment. Yeah. Well, thank you, Trisha, for leading the way in this. And may we all be more inspired to listen to the voice of God and to do what he's asking and directing us to do. I really appreciate it. Thank you, it. Heather. I didn't just- and I appreciate you and you're my folding laundry buddy. So oh, I was listening yes. to the podcast. 
when I'm folding laundry. So I feel like we talk every week. Well, but that's the tricky thing for me. When friends listen, then they they think that we've connected, but they don't call me. So it's very lonely Uh, over here in my closet (laughs) all by myself. I need you all to call me back. No. Okay. (laughs) No, you do call. You've called me. I think I was in line at Disney World and you called me in my hard season last year. So I I, I appreciate you and your friendship and your ministry in and out of your home. All right. Well, you have a great rest of your day with your peeps. Okay. And good luck with this book launch. Not good luck. It's God's going to do what he's going to do. We trust him in that. Yeah. That's right. Okay. Adios. Bye. Bye. That Trisha is nonstop, and I love it about her. I love how she and her husband just want to run to the finish line, how they're doing their thing. And my hope is you don't have this pressure or burden with any of my guests ever to be just like them. Oh, Trisha adopted seven kids. I need to adopt seven kids. No, that's not how this works. If you read the Bible, no story is exactly the same. I can't say, well, you need to be more like uh, Joseph, or you need to be more like Joshua, or you need to be more like Esther. You need to be you because God puts you in his timeline in this time to do the things he's called you to do. The key, and this is the whole God-centered mom goal, is that you are centered on him, listening to him. I know Trisha shared the example of Moses, and I shared reading in Deuteronomy 31 when Moses was speaking to Israel and speaking to Joshua, and he said to Israel, the Lord your God himself will go before you. All of a sudden, Moses has confidence. He will destroy these nations. He will do them as he has done. He will give them over to you. So be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of your enemies, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He's not going to leave you or forsake you. And he says the same thing to Joshua. He will go with you. Uh, There's this word, halak, to walk along. It's the Hebrew, to walk along, to go with. And I feel like this walk it out that Trisha is calling us to, this doing the things that God's asked us to do, even if it's the hardest. It's not like the Jews and the Israelites had an easy (laughs) It's not like their story was easy ever or still is. It's not easy for them. But they know beyond a shadow of a doubt, no matter what hard thing they're going to walk through, that God goes with them. So we need to be strong and courageous to pursue those things. Uh, Y'all, I wanted to say a quick thank you for your sweet encouragements and celebrating with me for the little blip health scare I had this last week. I mean, seriously, after the year we've had, I think my husband came home and said, I'm done with cancer. I think we're done with cancer. Um, oh, I wish. Could we, if scientists out there, please figure this out. Uh, I had a little mole on my arm. It turned out to be melanoma, and I didn't even know this was a thing. It can be a stage zero where it's just sitting on the surface. Praise the Lord. So I got a little chunk taken out of my arm. And part of that story is my son, Price. And I shared this on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, so... Part of the story I didn't share, though, it goes along with Trisha's story, this whole walk it out. And I haven't told you all all the details of why we chose to homeschool two of our boys uh, this year. But because we did illogically obey God and uh, over listening to the logic of man, we've homeschooled. I was around Price a lot more the last month, and I happened to mention to him, hey, this mole looks kind of odd really need to go to the dermatologist. I missed my annual checkup in May, so I probably need to go in. Well, wouldn't you know, 
he took that on as his cause and God made him to be a persistent boy. And, uh, (laughs) so, you know, number one lesson, take care of yourself, mamas. If you don't take care of yourself, um, you won't be around to take care of everybody. And that's what price reminded me too. I was able to see the good in a personality trait that I have not enjoyed of my son's, his persistency. When he was really little, it was badgering, you know, the whole, can I have a cookie? No. Can I have a cookie? No. Can I have a cookie? No. He pushes you to the brink. I read the book Good and Angry, which is a great book if you have issues with anger. One of the chapters was on kids who badger. Because sometimes our anger is... um is right. We feel angry because it's annoying or it's frustrating. So when a child asks over and over and over again, you legitimately feel angry because it's frustrating, but we can't solve it with anger. So we started using the phrase, uh, you're badgering and it's hurting our relationship. And he knew what a badger was. We looked up the little animal and the claws and the digging. And so even though he was a young kid, he knew what that phrase meant and that it was time to kind of back off. Or some some parents say, asked and answered. You've already asked and I've already answered. But in this case, that persistency got me into that doctor's office and got the melanoma taken care of before it turned into a bigger issue. So moms, take care of yourself too. If you're struggling with one of your kids and a personality trait that they have, pray for God to open your eyes to see the balcony of that. My husband uses that phrase with strength finders. It's the the good parts or the high points of that personality trait or strength. And then um, to pray to give you patience with the, the basement part, the low part, the part that's causing stress in your home right now. I hope that's an encouragement to you. Thank you all for listening. Stay tuned for next week with more details about the God Center Mom live event, November 3rd, 7 p.m. Tickets will go on sale next week, October 9th. And also wanted to remind you with that Discipline That Connects course I mentioned at the beginning of the show by um, Jim and Lynn Jackson of Connected Families, you can sign up for it only through the end of October. And then they close access to everyone. So it's a limited time signing up for that Discipline That Connects course, which you can find over at godcentermom.com backslash DTC. I think that is all my announcements. Um, Thank you to all of you who have entered the logo contest. I will be announcing the winner of that on social media and contacting them personally. So many great entries. Y'all are a talented bunch. So grateful for your help. Come meet me in Dallas, November 3rd. Okay, adios. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the God-Centered Mom podcast. If you're looking for more resources on how to replace me with he, go to godcenteredmom.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guest. I want you to really understand and know that God is just as present while you are washing dishes at your kitchen sink as while you are worshiping him in a church pew. He sees your service to your family and he is pleased. As it says in Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Have a great day.